0: A terrible Pacers basketball game. A terrible, terrible Pacers basketball game. That was their worst performance of the season, and this is the perfect lead. I did a mailbag on Monday, and A.J. Reese asked me, what is the highest point and the lowest point for the Pacers this season? And at that point, I didn't really know the lowest point. Now I do. It was tonight, or last night, for you listening, for Pacers heat in Miami. Easily the worst performance of the Pacers season. They got nothing at all from the point guard position. Their young guys aren't playing enough in games like this. It was just... Awful, kind of top to bottom. They had, right at the beginning, looked a little bit of life in this in this Pacers team. I actually thought they played an okay first quarter. They were winning like five minutes into the game. Then the heat got hot from three. Then Malcolm Brogdon got hurt. And from then on, basically after Brogdon left the game, uh, the Pacers just got absolutely smoked. So, bearing the lead a little, but Brogdon's sore Achilles. He practiced the last two days. Went through walkthrough today. It was fine. And he came down on it funny, apparently, in the first quarter. Didn't play the rest of the game. So, we'll see what's up with that. That's a scary... Muscle to be sore, so, or tendon, uh, excuse me, tendon to be sore, so hopefully he's okay. But with him out, and there's a lot of things that went wrong for the Pacers this game, but with him out, Wanamaker became the one basically all the time. Levert was the backup one at times, and Levert uh, had four for 15 with three assists and a turnover. He was a minus 21, and Wanamaker was one for six with three turnovers. He was a minus nine. Uh, so he had a few assists, but he shot terribly. So those two guys combined were five for 21 with four turnovers, and eight assists. So a terrible, terrible play from the point guards in this game. And those longtime listeners of Lockdown Pacers know that I'm a big advocate of your lead ball handling play is the most important thing for your team to play well. They got nothing, nothing from those two in this game. That's kind of what the story was to me. When Brogdon and he at least had two turnovers, no assists, they were doing well again until right before he came out when he hit a big rush of threes, right before he came out. They were doing pretty well when he was in the game. They just, they lost him and they just, they got smoked. But there's so much that went wrong for the Pacers in this game. you know, Karis LeVert said they weren't decisive after the game. I even said the score. It was 125-96. That honestly makes it seem closer than it was. It never felt like they even had a chance in this game. But yeah, LeVert said the Pacers, never decisive. They played better than us from start to fi- to finish, period, he said. And that, that's totally anchored. The Heat completely smoked them. The Heat, to give them a little bit of credit beyond any Pacers poorness, they tied their franchise record and made three-pointers with 22 in this game. Even if the Pacers had played well, they probably would have lost to a team that hits their franchise record three pointers and clears their bench late and still scores 125 in a game where Udonis Haslam scores six or plays six minutes. But the, the reason that's a big deal, the Heat playing well, is they didn't have Jimmy Butler or Bam again. Twice this month now, they have waxed the Pacers without those two guys, and SPO has done a good job making this team good without them. We can say what we want about them being out and who the Heat are. They're still very high up in the East and still winning quite often, frankly without Jimmy and Bam, they're, they're a good team still. That said, the Pacers should be way, 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 way more competitive against the roster that Heat put out in this game, and they just they just were not. The biggest reason to me is this zone, right? I asked Rick Carlisle about the zone before the game, and he said, I've had a long time to look at their zone over the last 10 days. They do a really good job. We spent time preparing how you want to attack it. It's a thing you have to simplify as much as you can, stick to the basics, because they he called it sophisticated. He called the Heat sophisticated. And they had nothing against that heat. A lot of turnovers, a lot of clunky uh, early, and then when they when they go, went away from the turnover stuff, they just couldn't generate good looks. That zone has just completely, completely bombarded the Pacers several times this season. And it's weird that you know they have a hub who can play through the middle in Savonis. They have at least decent shooters. They they created some good looks in this game, despite you know they shot okay, thirty six percent from three. They created some good looks. Justin Holiday was one for eight. Everyone else who shot threes basically did fine. From distance, they just they couldn't break down the zone consistently enough to be a threat, and that continues to be a problem for this Pacers team against the Heat is that the Heat are fantastic at zone, uh, and that's just something that they need to do better at. Inaccurate passes really derailed the Pacers in this game as well. Their raw turnover number only finished at 12, but they had, a lot of their turnovers were live ball and just completely leading the Heat to easy, easy stuff. But really, the, the story of this game was the same as the last Heat-Pacers game, right? The Heat shoot extremely well from three because they're really good at generating good looks and sticking with their game plan, uh, and the Pacers are terrible at defending it and the zone. But the other thing is they just out-hustled them completely. And I know that the Heat kind of are that kind of team, especially with these guys. You know, Spolstra could make me and four other locked-on hosts shoot 40% from three and have a good offensive system, but they they out-hustled the Pacers, right? Beyond any system, beyond who's playing 15 offensive rebounds for the Heat. If you're going to shoot worse from the field, you can manage that if you do well. Like the Pacers did well getting the free throw line. They weren't terrible in the turnover department. They had 11 offensive rebounds themselves. But if you want to beat a team that's shooting better than you, you have to win the possession battle. And the Pacers did not win the turnover battle, and they got smoked on the offensive glass. 15 for the Heat. Dedman had three. Uh, Omar Yertsevin had six offensive rebounds on his own. Two for Strass, two for Marcus Garrett. Right. The Heat were just dominant in that department as well. Give them a ton of extra possessions. And when you're shooting well from three and are on a franchise record level night from deep, getting all those extra possessions is extremely helpful. The Heat were moving the ball fantastically. They had 30 assists. Like they were really clicking. And that's something Carlisle said after the game. Like, yeah, we sucked. Like we stunk, but the Heat were also awesome. I don't want to belittle that in this game. Like, even if the Heat didn't shoot amazingly, the rest of their stats and the rest of their play still would have dictated and necessitated a win for them because they did a lot of stuff really well. And any time you tie a franchise record for made three-pointers, you're probably going to win the game. But the point guard play just made this completely impossible for the Pacers. They needed some punch at any time, like right at the beginning of the third. They were down like 20 at halftime, so it didn't matter anyway. Uh, But right at the beginning of the third, it kind of felt like for a second the Pacers might get one final push in. Down They got it down to like... 15 i think which is still a huge deficit but not embarrassing and they were playing a little better at the start of that third they were chipping at it and then the heat were up almost 30 at the end of the fourth like it was just embarrassing from the pacers wire to wire easily easily their worst performance of the season and like a lot of the talk and i i am guilty of this too is about they have this big rest opportunity they've played the most games in the league but i have to call on two other pacers people now lloyd pierce last week and caris over today both said yeah rest is good but also, it can take you out of they By the way, both said not an excuse, but Karis said, you know, it can take you out of your rhythm when you have all this time off. Definitely looked arrhythmic in this game. Not the reason they lost; they played like garbage. But certainly a potential factor in this. They get a new coach back. They have all this time off. They looked completely off. Like even if they had a game plan for the zone to keep it simple and get the shots in the right place and get the ball to the right people, they couldn't get it going. The Brogdon injury is the big thing going forward from this game because if he can't play. I mean, they're going to be toast at point guard. They got smoked to the point that they got big minutes, big minutes, for like, Isaiah Jackson played the whole fourth quarter, right? Goga plays with Isaiah for big minutes. I'll actually talk specifically about both of those guys a little later, but that's how bad they play when Brogdon can't can't go more than a one-quarter is they need to clear their bench for an entire quarter of the game, right? They need him back, and his injury is going to be the story for the Pacers in the next couple days is – how healthy is he? Can he play going forward? Because if you listen to yesterday's show, their upcoming stretch of games is incredibly important, as was this heat game. They could make up a little bit of ground in the East and not be, you know, not go into the trade deadline in a position of no power because they they almost will be bent over the barrel of sellers if they really struggle because they have a really hard mid-January stretch. If Brogdon can't go during this stretch and they go and they do a they do a poor job between now and the start of January. The Pacers could be in in some trouble, and Brad Wanamaker. I've given him some level of, of defense recently because he's had some better games since the start of the month. But he was awful in this game tonight. And uh, you know, remember, remember, I'll talk about him in the next segment, the point guard play in general. But you know, his contract not guaranteed as of January tenth, and you know, some some actual stinker games basically since uh, the Dallas game. I would say maybe a little bit before that as well. So he's got to be better, and we got to talk about the point guard position for the Pacers because. It was awful in this game. Wanamaker was not good at all, and they need more from that position. What can they do? Do they continue to try Wanamaker and see what he can do? Things like that, so let's do that, but first, let's take a short little break to talk about Calm, because when it comes to athletes, we tend to focus on their physical fitness, but there's another side of the game that's just as important. That's mental fitness, and that's Calm coming into play. The number one app for sleep and meditation has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind and become the champion version of yourself. LeBron and Calm know that it Yet your mind is like any other muscle in your body, but you don't have to be a world champion to learn how to train it. For LeBron, sleep is a critical part of his mental fitness routine. And he says, getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body. So if you want to be like LeBron and train your brain to sleep better, go to calm.com slash LockedOnNBA. And for a limited time, you can get 40% off a Calm premium subscription. With Calm, you have access to the nature scenes LeBron loves like rain or leaves and so much more. Like sleep stories and meditation, so you can be ready for any challenges thrown your way. Again, limited time. Our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm at, at, and get a 40% discount on Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash lockdown Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Calm.com slash lockdown That's calm.com slash lockdown Thank you for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today. Hop on over to Lockdown Heat to get the deets on there hobbled team smoking this Pacers group. But look, I have to do a segment on Brad Wanamaker. And I titled it, Brad Wanamaker Shouldn't Play. And that's a little extreme. I'll even admit that. Because of who's out. Without McConnell and if Brogdon's hurt, they have to play somebody at point guard. And Lavert can only do so much, right? Even in a game where they really cleared their bench and no starters played in the fourth quarter, Levert played 30 minutes. That means he basically played 30 out of 36 possible minutes because no starters played in the fourth. And they need him to play all that because... With the starting five, what if Wanamaker's the point guard, because Brogdon's out, Lavert's the two, and then he's the backup one also, right? So they have a few minutes where it's just Wanamaker, but they 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 have nothing at point guard. And Lavert was pretty bad in this game, too, which kind of clouds the the bubble of of stats that you when you, you talk about the point guards in this game. But Wanamaker, you know, he was awful at the beginning of the season, completely horrible. Uh and then when McConnell got hurt for a little bit, he was passable, right? He shot. 40% or better every game for the first uh, six games that McConnell was out, then shot, then things have kind of turned, right? That That is the stretch, basically up through the Warriors game last Monday where I was like, you know what? He's, he's replacement level now. You live with that. That's not good. You obviously would like a better player, but that's, that's fine enough for your third point guard who you don't think would play very much. But he is playing a lot now with McConnell out, so he should be held to a higher standard than that, and that is perhaps a little too rosy of a way of discussing it for me. Against Milwaukee, two for five uh, in that game. They get smoked in that game. Against Detroit, when he has to start again, uh, he goes two for four. Uh, and it was okay in that game, I suppose. But they were minus eight in his minutes in a nine-point win. That kind of tells you what happened to him in that game. And then another awful one tonight against Miami. He One for six, minus nine, three turnovers, right? He just – he hasn't – he doesn't create anything. Like He just passes the ball to the guy right next to him. He's, he's, he's a lot of errant off-target passes that have gotten a little better, but you know he used to have a lot of aggressive passes that led to turnover. Now they're just off-target. He's too short to be like a high-impact defense guy. He's okay at it. He's definitely, to me, better as an off-ball guard than a point guard, but they absolutely have no lineups they can use him as a two-in right now because the only guy he could play next to is Levert, and Levert can't play every minute of the game. So he has to be the guy creating every so often, and he's just... Not very good at it, and I don't know what the Pacers do because behind him is nobody at guard, basically, right? Like, Jeremy Lamb can't distribute for anyone else. He's been horrible shooting the ball for the better part of a couple weeks now, one for nine in this heat game, no assists, right? Like, Lamb's not distributing or setting up for anybody else, and then everyone else who who is behind, air quotes, Wanamaker on the bench is a forward or or a two-way guy. They just cut De'Jane Giroux, a two-way point guard, a few weeks ago to sign Terry Taylor, Smart move. Taylor's way better. But now they have no point guard death behind Wanamaker, so they have to play him. Dwayne Washington, two way guy with the mad ants, is the only thing that makes some sense to say, let's sniff this, let's try this. Maybe you do that because right now, first of all, the NBA just changed the rules for two ways because of all the COVID impacts on teams where there's no 50 game limit anymore. Two way guys can play in every game now the rest of the way because. The NBA wanted to make sure games keep getting played, so they let teams that are heavily impacted by COVID play two-way guys as much as they want. For a team like the Pacers, even though they're not currently impacted by COVID, they could use that to their advantage and say, "Let's play Dwayne every day." He's at the G League showcase right now. That just ended or is about to end. I think that they might be. I think they should be willing to try him at least a little bit, five minutes in a game, to see if they have something else there at point guard. Because what they're doing now. Clearly isn't working. Maybe you change your starting lineup with Brogdon out and start Lavert at the one, uh, and and that way he doesn't have to be the two-guard and the point guard with the bench. He can just be the point guard the whole time he's in, and you just stagger him with Wanamaker, and that way Lavert's 35 minutes can then just be subbed out for Wanamaker's 13 minutes, so he's playing less. Lavert obviously not the most natural point guard, but if you start him, Duarte, and Holiday, I think you'd be getting more from the position than if they have to play... Brad Wanamaker 27 minutes and maybe Wanamaker can turn it around a little. I did. He did have a decent enough six game stretch, uh, but it has not been pretty for him this season. And this this heat game was another example of that. And this is a big time for him, right? I'll, I'll have a more detailed segment on this cap stuff in January, but January 10th is when contracts guarantee for the rest of the season. Wanamaker's contract is not guaranteed. He basically till January 7th, which is the day that I actually have to cut these guys by. Uh, so they actually clear the cap before the tenth. He has uh, 17 days to really prove his worth to the Pacers. And if McConnell's still hurt and Brogdon might be hurt, I don't, I don't know what how serious his Achilles stuff is beyond what Rick Carlisle has said. They might need him. They can't cut him if that's the case, which would be horrible because they they could look for point guard upgrades elsewhere, maybe in the trade market, maybe if they cut him, they just bring in someone else completely. I don't know who's out there now. Um, maybe it's Jeff Teague on a team like something. Has to be better than this. so that I, I'm assuming he'll continue to get the reins. He's practiced with the teams. He had a decent stretch. They know he can be replacement level as your backup. But in games like this where you get completely blown out by a team that is missing a bunch of guys, that maybe they are the better team, but they weren't in this game. They shouldn't have been this much better. You have to look at why. And I think their guard play in this game was just completely awful. Every And, and this is just – Wanamaker is the, the biggest culprit to me because he had 27 minutes of point guard play and gave them very little – but even LeVert, like I said, really struggled when he was in at guard. Jeremy Lamb was, again, one for nine, no assists. Like all the guys playing one and two, basically the whole game, really struggled. Duarte in his few minutes at the two, he mostly played the three in this game. But he was really good. Duarte had 17 points on seven shots. Like he had a he had a pretty solid game overall. And maybe you use that to say he could play two a little more. We can take Jeremy Lamb out of the equation, get Keelan Martin and more. Then our ball handling is. More Levert, more Duarte, more wings that aren't as turnover-prone or aren't as clunky, right? I just think that makes a little more sense if you're getting this kind of game from Wanamaker. I'm not saying they'll get that from him every game. Again, he's had some decent enough performances this month, and you need him to play a little. Like 10 minutes, you probably need it so Levert can sit out and not play the entire game, especially as he recovers from back thing. But in general, his minutes have just not gone well. And if you want to really zoom out, regardless of who he plays with, this season, Brad Wanamaker, the Pacers are minus 26 in his 248 minutes. I believe that is prior to tonight's game, but I can double-check that. As I continue to talk, I mean, that kind of says it all. Minus 26 is atrocious. That inc- uh, That is, man, I'm terrible. That is before this game. So that is now even worse than minus 26. That is now minus 35 on the season when Wanamaker plays. Just horrible. The, those minutes have to go better. The offense is is okay, in those minutes, definitely not awesome, but the defense is really awful, and that's somewhere that I thought he could contribute a little more than he has. So they need to be better in his minutes. It's that simple, and point guard play is really important. The Pacers are not getting – if Brogdon's hurt, they're not getting any basically right now because McConnell has been out for so long. And perhaps this is another discussion for a segment in the future, but for a little bit there when Wanamaker was, was keeping his head up, McConnell was kind of forgotten about with his injury because they were playing okay. There was a bunch of other stuff going on off the court that made it – Forgettable, what was really happening? But there need, I'm going to do a segment soon on how much they miss T.J. McConnell. Their bench has been completely awful this season, and not having him is a big reason why. He had that huge during their perhaps their best stretch of the season when they you know had that good good ish finish to a road trip and were just like a bounce of a ball away in either Portland or Denver from winning four or five. McConnell was playing awesome, right? Like it's it's obvious how important he can be to this Pacers second unit. Always is making good passes, driving energy. Like they are not getting any of that stuff right now, outside of a little bit of energy from O'Shea Brissett with the second unit. They really miss McConnell. That's a segment I have written down to do in the future. Uh, But you know, after the lowest point of the season, you have to look at what just went wrong. That this is their lowest point. They just got smoked by the Heat in an an embarrassing game. And I think the point guard play in this game was was completely awful. Right, Turner shot eighty percent, played good defense. Sabonis. Kind of struggled, but you know, very rarely is he the culprit in a game with zone where he can't get the ball that much and can't be that effective. Uh, not that he his defense struggled in this game substantially, and he let Dwayne Dedman get way too many rebounds, but I just think this one's all in the guards. They couldn't they couldn't organize the pacers or run an offense or get into the lane in a way that let this team be good. And they couldn't do any of the things that make the pacers run the way they want to. So they need more from the position, they need more from Brad Wanamaker, and I'm not sure how they get it. And maybe they do go to Dwayne Washington, and I'm harping back on that to get my segue in that even if it's not Dwayne Washington, I think the Pacers need to play their young guys just in general more. They're 13-19. and They're in 13th place in their conference. And this game we saw a bunch of Goga Jackson together, which is another good leaping point into this discussion of how the Pacers, you know, we talked about how they need to, me and Taylor Tannebaum yesterday, need to think about their season going forward. What do they prioritize? We both said wins. And I still think they need to do that. But in small bursts of these games, I think the Pacers need to get some youth on the court and see what they have for the future a little more often. Let's talk about that. But first, let's take a short little break, talk about two great groups of people. First up, the good folks over at who Have you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the college bowl season and the pro football playoffs? BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head over to Their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, your favorite Vegas casino games, whatever it is, you name it, they've got it uh, on betonline.ag for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, so don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Bet Online, where the game starts. Let's also talk about Built Bar this holiday season a, a healthy and delicious holiday dessert and around the holidays frankly eating a lot of bad food if you want a healthier substitute for a lot of those things try built bar 100 covered in chocolate delicious soft easy to chew protein bars and again i got another listener today telling me they loved the eggnog flavor perfect holiday thing to try i need to try that one i haven't even had it yet but built bar low in calories low in sugar low in net carbs Low in fat, but high in protein. The best of both worlds. Delicious and healthy. So many good flavors. I love the peanut butter brownie. The cookies and creams, delightful. Raspberry is really good. They'll give you that extra fuel you need to get through. Whatever you have coming up this holiday season, work, family gatherings, going to the mall, whatever it is. Everybody likes their favorite flavors. you got to get your own try. Built Bar today. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. You'll get 15% off your order. That promo code again, LOCKED15 for 15 off at built.com the Pacers should be prioritizing wins I will stand by that opinion for the next five or so games if they go horrible then that might change even when they're doing that though they should probably be trying to get a few more minutes for the young guys they were doing a much better job of this earlier in the season even with both of their bigs healthy early in the season Goga Batadze was playing somewhat often right in their first 11 games he played in eight of them. That doesn't even count just garbage time. It was 10 minutes against Toronto and nine minutes against the Spurs and 10 minutes against the Knicks and 17 minutes against Milwaukee and 16 and a half minutes against the Knicks and 21 and a half minutes against Charlotte. That was the game where they benched the starters and 15 and a half minutes against New Orleans. He played in 13, excuse me, 14 of their first 19 games, 16 of their first 23, and now has not played in five of their last seven. They have gone away from him as they try to kind of steer this thing on track, maybe get Miles Turner some more role clarity. The last time he played more than six minutes and 44 seconds in a game was November 20th, over a month ago. And this isn't just limited to go guys. hey Jackson not playing very much. You know, when he plays at the end of this game uh, was noteworthy to me. Like I like watching his minutes because I don't know much about what he can bring to the NBA level. We've seen him in the G League, honestly, more then in the NBA, he had 36 minutes. Now he's up to 48 for his career, Isaiah Jackson. Is. It was his uh, longest appearance of the season at 12 minutes, and the first time he's played more than five since about Thanksgiving. And Chris Duarte obviously is playing a lot. But I think if the Pacers are truly, and this was quoted or cited in the Athletic article, at, Isaiah Jackson's name mentioned next to Duarte's in a, you know, as they look a little younger kind of section of the piece and how they look to rebuild, They can't just turn away from these guys completely in this game. And this is obviously a stretch. They shouldn't play Goga and Isaiah Jackson at the same time in serious games as they tried to win. But Goga and Isaiah Jackson played together in this game for about 8 minutes, uh, 7 minutes and 16 seconds, plus 4. Those minutes went fine, right? isaiah can can run and defend on the perimeter a little bit he's a good lob threat right he had four rebounds and six points in this game nice block and goga's defensive presence is solid despite him continuing to miss every three he takes at the nba level for some reason even though he makes them in the g league those two guys are okay when they play they're fine like for five minutes they're not gonna i know the pacers have some bad stretches so if it starts going bad early take them out but if if they they need to sneak 5 minutes for these guys more often to see how they fit together to develop them alongside whatever Pacers players are going to be on this team long term and to play them with Chris Duarte. We've barely seen that. Chris Duarte and Isaiah Jackson this season, 13 minutes together. They were drafted 9 picks apart and they've only played 13 minutes together. We know nothing. Absolutely nothing about how those two fit. Like it's impossible to make any, oh, this this is how I think the future will be for those two guys in the game at the same time. We know nothing about them. Chris Duarte and Goga, 44 minutes. That's a little better. The offense has stunk with those two in the game at the same time. The defense has been pretty damn good, right? Very good, actually. Like, basically 100 defensive rating. So, maybe that's something the Pacers try to sniff around a little more, right? How do they find combinations of young guys that they can play that doesn't screw them out of wins? And in the game like tonight, they did a good job of doing that. And I know that's a lot harder in a tight game or when you're really pushing for wins because... Like, let's face it, rookies and young players are typically not that great. Goga can give you some positive minutes with his defense, but I get why with Turbonis They haven't played him as much. That said, I think the Pacers need, 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 need to sneak in a few minutes every single game for at least one of Jackson Goga, and ideally that player with Chris Duarte, because Duarte... Clearly has a future with this franchise. Best rookie they've had in a while despite some clunky games. Recently was good again tonight against the Heat. Like, he was literally their only good player in this game. Um, or At least their best player in this game to me. Uh, Leading scorer at 17 points on only seven shots. It took Levert 15 to tie him in the scoring department. I think they have to explore a little bit more with Duarte plus one of the bigs. Or maybe even both for a few minutes in blowouts. Like, I was thinking in my head, man... I wish Duarte was in the game right now during a lot of this fourth quarter to see him with Goga and Isaiah. I have no idea how it would look or what it would be like, but it's just something that I want to see, and I think it's something the Pacers should go for because as their future progresses, what if what if one of these games for that five-minute stretch, Goga and Isaiah Jackson have two great pick-and-rolls together? Now you can play that a little more often, even in wins. You can play that every game, and then that's something you go to every game moving forward, even after you retool your team or do whatever you build on the go, as Herb Simon says, You know, your young guys need to be a part of that. And playing the minutes is a part of building on the go. And I think Goga especially, he's in his third year. They picked up his fourth year option. So he's at least going to be in the NBA next year. Probably on, you know, maybe he's in a deal for the Pacers. But if not, a chance to be their backup center. Like this season, if they trade one of the bigs. He could be their backup center playing 15 minutes a game this season, right? They have to know what they have in him. They can't just say, you know, well, hopefully Goget can fill the void and our starting big can step up without playing with another big enough that this works. Like They have to know or at least have him fresh enough and confident enough that he can be their backup center who, you know, his defense is, is clearly NBA level. His offense has struggled to make shots. But they have to know because, I mean, there's a chance he's their backup center in, in a month and a half, not even that, maybe in a month, right? They have to know. I think they have to give him more minutes and tell him, you know, he knows and he has said he plays better when he knows what his role is going to be in a specific game. We need to communicate heavily with Goga. We are going to try to get you a few minutes every game, or even Isaiah, or whatever, and especially say we would like those minutes to be with Chris Duarte. See what you have with that duo. See what you have with your young guys, and do your absolute best to make sure it doesn't take away from your current winning goal. Now, December 3rd, or excuse me, January 3rd, if they stink in this upcoming stretch until they play the Cavs, in January, and the Cavs are actually good, so including them in this is a disservice to the Cavs, but if things look bad at that point, Oh, yeah. Then I think then this discussion becomes these guys should be playing together every game, regardless of what's going on in the game. If it's a close game, you got to try it. That's that's kind of what I think this team needs to be thinking. And I get why they haven't thought that way. It's a new coach trying to establish his systems and trying to establish wins and set a good culture. And they have these bigs who they want to play. And those two guys both want the ball. And I get all that. It's totally fine what they've done so far. They haven't done anything wrong. But I think they need to slightly shift their priority as they head into whatever directional change they're going to do and think about what the next version of the Pacers is going to look like and how can they accelerate getting to that point by either playing more Isaiah or more Goga and especially playing those guys with like Chris Duarte. and thesis. I had lots of thoughts on that as Isaiah was playing the entire fourth quarter. Tomorrow, Jackson Gallon from Locked on Rockets will join us to talk Pacers-Rockets. Uh, Pacers last game before Christmas a home game against the lowly Rockets Jalen Green sounds like he'll return which should be a good thing for the Pacers But like I said after they beat the Pistons The Pacers aren't better than really anyone in the NBA right now Any win is big is important for them and they might not even be that much better than the Rockets So we'll talk with Jackson Gatlin about the Rockets about how that game could look and about the key matchups in that game So you don't want to miss that it'll be super fun Jackson is a fun guy to talk to. Hope everybody had a great day. And if you stuck around this long after the Pacers lost by 30, I applaud you for being a long listener of these episodes. Thank you very much. Hope everybody has a great day. We will see you tomorrow.